0: John Follis learned about marketing, branding, and great creative by working on Madison Avenue for the top agencies in the world. That training led to co-founding his own agency, which went on to become one of the most successful and award-winning agencies in the US. This episode, you will hear about how John was fired four times in eight years, and he used this as a sign to work for himself, how John overcame issues with his business partner, How to leverage social medias like TikTok to your advantage, and what marketing therapy is.
1: I started uh, trying to find work when I got out of college and um, did not do well in the corporate environment. I um, found the environment of office politics to be very challenging for me. I I was trained in college to think that the success that I would have in the advertising business as a creative person was really about how talented I was as a creative person. And the uh, harsh reality of the working world uh, made me uh, realize quickly that that was not the case, that it had as much or more to do with my ability to deal with the office politics that any big company has. And I just was totally unprepared for that. I don't think there's any schools that really can prepare students in that because how how, how can you really teach that, Right. And some people um, adapt well, and they become successful in that environment. And other people, like me, do not, and have to suffer the consequences. In my case, getting fired several times, four times. And I should I should say, just in my defense of getting fired that many four that many times, two of the four times that I lost my job happened because the guy who hired me at those companies left the company within weeks after bringing me on. And I, I think um, anyone who, were, who is familiar with the corporate world can probably vouch for the fact that when the guy who hires you is not a- around to um, cover your back in that situation, that you're going to be a lot more vulnerable to the political, um, uh, situation there. So that, that happened two of the four times.
0: Yeah. And for you, when you got fired each time, you're like, oh, right. Okay. Maybe it just wasn't a good fit there. Second time, same thing. Third time, maybe like something's up here. I need to kind of think of doing something else. And obviously the fourth time you were like, right, I'm done with this. So what, what did that look like for you? What did you think to yourself? What were your options?
1: Well, that that you know what you just said is exactly what happened, and it you know it kind of makes sense. And um, I think part of it was because after getting it, listen, it's not easy to get find work in in New York City in the ad uh, advertising business, especially for a really good agency. And um, I was very particular. I really only I wanted to be the best I could be, and for that reason, I wanted to work at the best agencies. That's why I was in New York City. To begin with, because that is, you know, for advertising, that's the Mecca. Hmm. And once I was there, I wanted to work at the best creative shops. And after a while, um, it became difficult to even get interviews at some of these places. So um, when you live in New York and you have to pay rent, you can't uh, spend too much time just uh, continuing to try to get work. At a certain point, you have to you have to get something to pay the bills. Hmm. So that's when I started freelancing. And approaching some smaller agencies that uh, certainly did not have the prestige of a big agency because I just I needed to get work and pay the bill. So um, that that happened, I think, probably after the second or third time I got fired and I continued doing that on the side. Even when I did find work, I was able to balance my time. So I was able to still do that. And it was a good thing because it was just a matter of time before I got fired that fourth time. And, and to have something um, ongoing that I had been doing um, helped helped me better able to deal with that rejection. And so uh, after the fourth time, as you pointed out, as you mentioned, I, I said, you know, screw this. I'm just going to put all my energy into continuing to find freelance work because I uh, that was a very different experience. You're not dealing with the office politics when you're working in a small company. Sometimes you're just there for a couple of weeks, sometimes a couple of days. So you're really not there long enough to have to um be involved with that stuff. And because they're smaller environments, they they don't generally don't have the the politics that you would find at a much bigger company. So it it after a while, I, I kind of um hit my stride as a freelancer and started to do some pretty good work, which is not always the case. Cause oftentimes they bring you in because they they've got to um, plug a hole. They've got a, you know, they've got a, a specific project. Maybe they're, they, they, they don't have the staff to do it, or maybe it's not the most exciting thing and they just need someone to come in and solve a problem. So it's not always the sexiest, uh, Account that you're working on, but if you do it enough, every every now and then you could get lucky, and and work on something that turns out to be um, a a very exciting opportunity. And for me, that that happened uh, in one situation where uh, the the account that I was working on ended up getting um, some serious attention in New York City. It was it was for a, a young fashion designer who, who no one uh, knew about at the time, but because the ads were edgy and they were running in the New York market, uh, after a few months, uh, people were beginning to wonder who was doing this great ad campaign. And it really greased the wheels for me to get more work as a result and eventually attracted the attention of a business guy who was very entrepreneurial and wanted to look for um a a real creative talent because he was looking to pitch business on his own and wanted a creative guy to help him do that and that's what enabled me to eventually start my own ad agency
0: Mm. and this was i'm assuming kind of in the 90s early 2000s times when when was this yeah yeah
1: yeah, this was uh this was a, a while ago this was um Actually, in the late 80s, Okay, I'm I'm dating myself, but, you know, that's it was pre-Internet. And so, you know, I'm talking about magazine ads, you know, that's that was the thing at the time. But, um, you know, it wasn't long that we got into it. It was only a few years away from the start of uh, the Internet, which, of course, changed things a lot. Not not at first. It took a while. You know, when it first came on the scene, people were wondering if it was some kind of a fad yeah and uh you know but so yeah so it was quite a while ago
0: and and this entrepreneur guy he came along and was like look i I need to start an agency and i'm just curious where did you meet him and what made him think that you were the right person for this
1: well um he like myself had worked at some big new york agencies and i i don't know for sure but i think he might have gotten fired a couple times as well right i i think uh we were similar personalities in that um, we we uh, we were kind of independent thinkers and kind of had an irreverent attitude about things and just quite honestly didn't like a lot, a lot of the bullshit that you have to deal with in that corporate environment. So uh, he got, to answer your question, he got my name because he was actively seeking a talented creative guy and was asking... The people that he was he was doing freelance himself as a marketing guy business guy media guy Um, and so he he would be asking the people that he was working with if they knew any super talented creative guys and got my name uh and called me out of the blue i had no idea who he was but um i was intrigued by the call he said he was he was he was looking to pitch business. He was looking for a great creative guy. He got my name and we met for a beer about 20 minutes after talking. He said, gee, uh, I'm really impressed by your, your work. Maybe we should start an agency. And it was kind of like going on a date with a woman and 20 minutes, minutes after meeting with her, listening to her say, I think we should get married. Yeah. You know, you know, so, as intrigued i was by the notion of course i i said well how about we we try to work together a little bit and see where it goes so that's what we did yeah
0: and what was it like for you on you know day 1 month 1 year 1 of starting the agency was it like you had work coming through the door straight away or was it like well, was it you, slow you know it was
1: a, it was a little bit harder for me because um when you're a creative person you have a portfolio of work Yeah. You can show samples of the ad campaigns that you've done for other people. And someone could judge you based on that. Uh, When I had to figure out whether or not this guy was any good. All I had to judge him by was uh, my experience of talking to him and the suit that he was wearing, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's really uh, not easy. And that's why I, I, the I realized the only way I would really have any idea of if he, he was any good was to collaborate, which is which is what we did. And at first, um we really didn't get anything. We went for I don't know the first few months and we didn't pick up much work. and the work that we did pick up, I didn't think was very exciting, like a bank brochure and stuff like that, which is what I was not interested in doing. But about uh, six months into the collaboration, he uh, found a small business owner who wanted a TV commercial, which is pretty unusual because uh, that's often not the case. Um, And that commercial that we did turned out to be a huge success. And because it was a big success, it was that, uh, that experience that enabled us to open our doors officially as an ad agency, and I still didn't really know this guy very well, so um, that was pretty quick. Uh, you know, like I said, it was maybe seven or eight months of working with him, and we had only had a couple of projects prior to that. And suddenly, I'm in business with a guy uh, that clearly is—he um, was good at new business. I mean, I was very impressed that he found this guy, and I started realizing that he was quite exceptional at at getting business i just didn't know much more about him and uh soon after that sam he was he did some things that really questioned whether or not um i could trust him All as right. a business partner
0: yeah I, I, if you don't mind me asking what were those things that he did that made you not trust him
1: <laughs> well um when we we got this account you listen you got to understand I'm, I'm the creative guy so my knowledge of um, everything else is limited, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to running a business Yeah, Incorp incorporating, doing the legal work, opening up a bank account, um, writing up a partnership agreement, all of that stuff was stuff that I had no experience with. Um, so when we won this, this business, uh, I said, okay, uh, that's, that's great. And you know, he said, John. you know, I said, I, I, he's going to run that. He's going to run this TV. He was spending, just so you know, Sam, he was spending $350,000 in media to run this TV commercial. And this is, I'm talking 1988.
0: This is big money. So that,
1: Yeah. So now that would be, you know, maybe a million bucks or something like that. And, um, my partner and I, the only thing we had agreed on was that, it would be, whatever we did together would be 50-50. And this was a verbal agreement. We didn't even have anything in writing because when we met for that beer and he said we should start an agency, I my response was, well, let's, let's decide on a couple of things. Mm. Uh, if, we, if we decide to collaborate that anything we, we do together should be 50-50, and if we do start an agency, I want my name first does that work for you? And he said, fine. So that's that's the only thing we had. And it was just a verbal agreement. And suddenly we have a real account that is paying us money. And uh, when I uh, found out from my partner that our commercial was going to run, um, I asked my, and, and my partner was saying, so we've got to start it we've gotta make this a real business now. My response was, okay, well, what do we need to do? To which he replied, well, we have to um, incorporate a business. To which I replied, okay, so what's involved with that? And his reply to me um, nearly made me fall off of my seat. He said, don't worry about it, I already took care of it. Now I may not have been the smartest guy at that point when it came to business, but I was smart enough to know that if I didn't sign any legal papers, that whatever he did, uh, I, w- I was not part of Yeah. legally. Yeah. And so, um, that's when I knew that, um, I would have my hands full with this guy. Right. Because my response to him was, what do you mean you you already? He thought, he thought, and you know, I, I hate to say this, but you know, some creative people would have been fine with that response. Yeah. They would have said, Oh, great, you already took care of it. That's the business stuff. I don't need to get involved with that. Fine, great. I was smart enough to know what I just said that if I didn't sign anything and we didn't meet together with a lawyer or some banking people that, um, I'm not a part of this business. So it was a, it was a, um, I, let's just put it this way, Sam. I learned a lot of things the hard way and very quickly Yeah, because, um, he really didn't want me to know about those things. He wanted to kind of keep me to use an expression, barefoot and pregnant, mm and, and continuing to be the goose laying the golden eggs of creative, great creative work. And, uh, he wanted to do everything else. And, uh, that was unacceptable to me. Yeah. So, I, uh, I immediately started talking to an attorney on my own and explaining the situation because, um, like I, I said, uh, I, I kind of felt like, um, this guy would be a problem. He was great at new business. I was really excited about that. And it was really frustrating because on one hand, I could not have been so more excited. The commercial we did was a great commercial. And to think that that would spark a new agency was really exciting. But on the other hand, I felt like I had uh, a guy I couldn't trust. And the the lawyer I talked to, was I, I still remember his response. He said, well, based on what you told me, John, you've got two options you could either sue him or go into business with him. Right. You now, which was kind of a weird thing to hear an attorney say. And he said, the reason I'm saying that is um, because based on what you said is, uh, you you know, he, he didn't involve you, he, obviously he didn't involve you in the decision. And I think you would re- have a really good case if you wanted to sue him. But the fact is you don't really have a business yet. You're just starting things up. You have this one account. And if you sue him, you know, you're not going to get any money out of it. Mm. And, you know, that's going to be the end of this potentially exciting partnership. He said, but what you do need to do if you go into business is you need to, uh, you know, make sure that this guy understands that uh, what he did was unacceptable. And you got to look at the paperwork. If he says he, he went ahead and did that, you got to look at that paperwork because uh, if your name isn't on it you are not legally part of whatever whatever business he incorporated and you got to change that immediately and let him know that if you want to continue working together yeah so you know again it was uh it was not the way i wanted to learn about running a business but um my story is not unique also yeah i mean when you listen when you listen to you know i'm a fan of the beatles and a lot of uh rock stars and, uh, creative people. And if you listen to a lot of their stories, you, you, you understand that, um, most creative people as talented as they may be, just don't know the other side of it. They don't know the business and many of them, um, you know, have horror stories about the managers that they worked with who ripped them off and all that stuff. Right. Hmm.
0: How did you go about learning the business side of things then as a creative person?
1: Well, you know, when you, when you have a situation like that, Sam, that's kind of thrust in your face again, you, um, you, you choose how to respond to it. And my, my choice was not to accept it, <clears throat> but to realize that, um, I had to learn quickly about this stuff because I could not. I felt like I couldn't trust this guy, you know, mm. I didn't. I, and when, when you're in business, a uh, situation like that, I don't care how creatively talented you are. Um, it's a business and you have to know everything as much, certainly as much as you can about the business side of things, yeah. whether you want to or not. So, uh, you know, just the way I reached out to the, the attorney, I, um, I couldn't take my quote partners' words for things. I had to kind of double check everything that he did, and uh, uh, learn. Le- it was a, it was a it was a strong motivation for me to learn on my own as much as I could by talking to people, by reading books, any way I could to learn about the business side of things. Yeah. At the at the time.
0: Sorry, John. My uh my Zoom saying that it's about to time out, which is weird because I have a a premium account so just give me a second I've got to sign in and sure. uh, and just check everything's so alright on that end. Sorry about this. It's very strange. Maybe I uh set the invite up the wrong way or something, but we'll see. If it kicks me out I'll be I'll be back in or just join the link in a second but I don't think it will kick yeah. me out.
1: Okay. Uh
0: yeah that's all correct. Uh okay. <clears throat> sorry it's just logging in uh okay yeah i just got a
1: pop-up sam that says this meeting has been upgraded by the host yeah and includes it, so i think we're good to go here yeah
0: i wasn't logged in correctly on my on my whole thing sorry about that so once once you, once you kind of realized this guy was you know dodgy and, and you had to learn very quickly what were you doing at the time what did that look like for you were you kind of like you know, building a team of people under yourself or yeah. was it just you and him working together?
1: Well, um, I have to tell you, um, it was kind of the best and worst of times because yeah. he was amazing at finding new business opportunities. And he also uh, was someone who really championed the edgy creative work that I was doing. So in that sense, it was great to you know, Unlike the situations I was in uh, with the ad agencies where I, I just felt like my work was being rejected all the time because it was too edgy, he was just the opposite. He was very supportive of it. And it was one of the things that helped us win business and grow the agency. But on the other hand, I felt I couldn't trust the guy. Yeah. So um, it was like being on a roller coaster, being strapped in and just hanging on for dear life, knowing that at some point, you might have to jump off yeah, and and hoping that if and when that time came, you just wouldn't be hurt too much in the process. And that's exactly what happened because, um, you know, when someone reveals themselves that early on in a relationship and I don't care what kind of relationship, but whatever kind of relationship people can reveal themselves pretty early about, you know, uh, what they're about. I just, I just knew that it was just a matter of time before I would probably um, have to um, part ways with this guy. And I just so I the what my attitude was, let me let me, um, let me take this as far as I can can go because this is going to benefit me um, uh, in in many ways in my career. And then at some point, I, I was hoping that, you know it would it would improve. So I, you know, I just had to watch him like a little kid. You know, I felt like at any point he would do something that I had to, like, you know, grab him and slap him on the wrist. You know, mm. which is not fun. You know, after a while, you know, if you're constantly doing that with someone that you know supposed to be your partner, it can uh, it can wear th- wear thin pretty quickly. And so um, I, I um, finally, after about three and a half years um realized that he was continued to be breaching our contract our contract. Right. We had an agreement that said that decisions, major decisions, had had to be agreed by both partners. And he was making too many decisions unilaterally. Mm. And I would I would call him out and and do it in a way that um hopefully didn't make him feel too defensive because I didn't, you know, I was hoping that if I just expressed my feelings that he would understand, we could talk about it and, and make a correction. But at a certain point uh, when I attempted to do that and suggested that we talk about it over a beer, he said he wasn't interested in doing that. And it was unfortunate because no one likes to, um, get lawyers involved if they can help it. But at a certain point, um, that was the only choice I had. you know, short of just walking out of the partnership myself. yeah and I certainly wasn't going to do that. So I found um, another attorney, one of the top attorneys in New York who really specialized in my industry and told him what was going on and he confirmed the fact that this guy, not only was, was breaching the contract, but didn't seem interested in doing anything to, you know, to, to stop doing that. And basically said, uh, basically, you you know, unless you just want to walk away, which would be totally stupid, you've got to sue him. You've got to call him out. And he said, I'll write you this letter that, uh, basically served him papers. And, uh, Will either force him to discuss it with you, or be the beginning of a of a divorce? Yeah, and that's what it became a divorce.
0: That's a that's and a shame.
1: Know, it it was a shame. And l- listen, it cost uh, between the two of us it cost ninety thousand dollars in legal fees, and this was in nineteen ninety two. So again, in you know twenty years ago, uh, no, that's uh, thirty
0: years almost thirty.
1: Yeah. 29 years ago. So that 93 K, it was probably, you know, at least twice that now. Right. Mm. Yeah. And you know, that, that, that was money that we really didn't need to spend if, if he was willing to discuss it, but he wasn't willing to discuss it. And I think he just was shocked when um, I handed him that letter, because I don't think he had, he, I don't think he thought that I had the balls, or are the um, the smarts to find an attorney to call him out? Hmm. And I remember handing him the paper. I just saw something recently, Sam. Uh, you know who uh, Steve Bannon is, right? No, I don't. Oh, okay. So I don't know how many of your audience members follow have been following the political situation uh, in the United States with the January 6th committee. But Steve Bannon is one of uh, Donald Trump's cronies who is now facing jail time. And one of the many, I should say, one of the many uh, Donald Trump cronies who's now facing uh, uh, jail time. He was just given a subpoena. And I just saw a a video of someone who was suing him. This was like uh, two days ago. And who did the same thing to Steve Bannon that I did with my business partner, served him papers, basically went to an attorney, found out where Steve Bannon lived and you have to physically hand over it's just like when anyone gets a subpoena you got to knock on their door and physically hand them these documents and the video captured the moment that this woman handed Steve uh um, Steve Bannon the papers and he looked at it and he did the exact same thing that my business partner did looked at the the paper and said, you don't know what you're doing and just threw the paper on the ground. <laughs> Which is exactly the same thing that my partner did to me. Because um again, I don't think he I think he was shocked. I don't think I don't think he thought didn't he I don't think he thought that I had the the, the knowledge or the balls to do what I did. And when I did handed him the document. He said that I don't know what I'm doing, and he 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 threw the paper. He like crumpled it up and threw it back at me. It was like it was comical. Looking back, he threw it at me, and I picked it up, and I threw it back at him, and I said, "You got it. <laughs> you may not want it, but you got it." And that was the beginning. Unfortunately, of a uh, a nine month uh, legal back and forth that that cost us ninety three thousand dollars in nineteen. 19- 92
0: dollars mm. so a, a big kind of expense there but moving forward from that how did you kind of get back on your feet and all this kind of stuff because you, you said earlier that you know people were really impressed with the kind of marketing that you did and the, the adverts adverts that you're putting out so what was it that kind of separated you from the noise of everybody well else?
1: you know I, i'm very grateful i mean I, I i don't mean to sound bitter i'm just kind of sharing the scenario what happened mm. um I'm very grateful to have had the experience of working with him because of the reasons I mentioned, um, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't survive. I was getting my ass thrown out the door of half of the big agencies I worked for. Mm. And, you know, when you get fired all those times, you're beginning to, you start taking it personally. You start to to think that you, you know, maybe you picked the wrong career. Mm. So had it not been for, you know, initially the experience of my freelancing and then the experience of uh, four years in that partnership, um, I would not have had the confidence that I had as a result of that. So um, I just, at that point, decided that I just had to find myself another partner and continue along that entrepreneurial path um, because I had, I was having success at it. The problem of course, was that um, he was exceptional at, finding new business and I just was not able to find someone who was as good as him that wanted to be my partner so it forced me to um, shift my gears and uh, uh, learn about finding business on my own and I, I did that for you know a number of years on my own as well as doing the creative work which was a lot to handle you know it's hard to be good at both and I can't say that I was you know really, really good at finding business, but I was good enough to survive for a few years. Yeah.
0: And it's not very often that you, you find someone or you meet someone that has been working in marketing and, and branding for as long as you have. So I'm wondering what kind of trends you've seen over the years that have stuck in both marketing and branding and kind of like what your view is of the current state of marketing versus yeah. you know, marketing back in the 90s or 80s.
1: Well, you know, the, the trend um, that I was facing at that time that is still going on right now because it changes weekly is the Internet. Right. Uh, you know, that's the the, the thing uh, back then. It was a, it was a new phenomenon. But even now, um, hardly a month goes by where there's not some new shiny object. Yeah. You know. You know, like this year it's TikTok, next year it'll be something else. And the year after that, it'll, it'll be something else, right? right? It's just constantly changing and evolving. Um, so um, I made a point to pay attention to that stuff. You know, I think it's important for anyone uh, who, especially who is an entrepreneur doing their own thing,
0: mm.
1: is to pay attention to the trends um, that you just asked me about. And uh, when I heard about the internet in '94, I realized, unlike a lot of people uh, people at that time, uh, that I this was something that I felt like I had to um, get involved with. So my first website went up in 96.
0: Mm. really? And I, as,
1: as, yeah. And uh, as I said to you uh, earlier uh, in this conversation, when I was learning about podcasting, in 2005, I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever heard about and decided I wanted to have a podcast. So a few months after hearing the first uh, podcast, listening to the first first podcast on podcasting, I was able to put up my own podcast in early 2006. I called it The Marketing Show with John Follis and had a lot of fun with it for about six or seven years. So um your question was the importance of keeping up with trends and anyone who's successful again especially any any business people listening to this it's it's really critical that that they um uh keep up with these trends and they don't have to jump on board with every trend that they come across I you know it's um it's hard to do that because they're just again there's so many things that are happening constantly but they at least have to have a a working knowledge of what they are for example i don't know that at this point i need to be on TikTok, but um i i have been watching TikTok videos now for quite some time i'm fascinated by it and a few months ago i decided um I had to get on TikTok. Now, you know, I'm not going to, you know, start dancing around and put up a dancing video, but uh, I just wanted to see if I could take a video that uh, was on my desktop and, and figure out how to get that on TikTok. And I was able to do it. So, you know, for me, that's fun. That's intriguing. I, I'm, I, 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 I'm a very curious person and I like to uh, learn about new things and figure out how they work, because it's exciting. I mean, uh, you have you are you on TikTok, Sam?
0: I am a user of TikTok, and, and like you said earlier, we was talking about you know promotion and all them type of things. I I, I see the power of TikTok because it's, you know everything happens on the for you page, so it's not always about who you follow and what you follow. It kind of shows you things. You Know n- new things, old things, things from people with no followers, things with people with big following. So, yeah, I i am technically on TikTok, but I am not uh, a content creator on there per se. But I might or probably will become one in the near distant future. Yeah,
1: okay. Well, you know, I just turned 68, Sam, and I don't know how many six, 68 year olds there are that you know post on TikTok. Yeah, not many. <laughs> Um, and I don't know that I need to continue doing it, but it kind of reminds me of um, 1994 when the Internet first came on. And in 2005, when podcasting was a new thing uh, and people were kind of a few people were talking about it, but it, it, it wasn't part of the culture yet. Mm. Uh, and people like us were talking about it and deciding whether or not they need to be involved with it. So um, I would encourage you, you know, if again, I don't I don't know how much energy you want to put into your own business, but I think anyone now, I don't care who you are, who's got any kind of a business um, needs to be on it. And again, it 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 really it's not a question of, of should you be on it? I think it, the question is, what what should you put on it? Right. You know, again, it's not going to be, I don't need to see videos of you dancing, right? Um, But I need to see some content that relates to what your podcast is about. You know, if I want to talk about the marketing therapy business model that I do that um, works with business owners around the country and helps them figure things out, um, I need to be putting up content on TikTok that reflects that. Yeah. And you know, here's the other thing. You know, I made a living in the advertising business knowing how to do TV commercials. Uh most of which were 30 seconds, but many of which were 15 seconds. So I know how to think in short form video. Yeah. So it's kind of funny how um things everything that's old becomes new again. And just because it's it's a new thing on TikTok, it doesn't mean that the the same principles that applied thirty years ago to making a, create getting a message across in thirty seconds on TV doesn't doesn't still apply to TikTok.
0: Yeah, and do you have any tips for the listeners about how to you know get that engagement in that fifteen to thirty seconds in that short form way? Seeing as you are well-experienced with it, you would know certain things, certain psychological hacks may, maybe or yeah. something like that.
1: Well, you know, one size doesn't fit all. You know, it really depends on um, what your business or service is um, as to what the message should be. But the, the, the one thing, Sam, that does apply to all of it is that um, whether it's a 60-second, Video, thirty-second video, or fifteen-second video on TikTok, you have to get their attention in the first three seconds. Right, and that was true uh, thirty years ago and forty years ago, just as it's true right now on TikTok. Mm. If you don't have something that grabs, and it's actually more true now than it ever was, because um, it's with with the touch of your finger you could turn it off or swipe it away. At least 30 years ago, you had to get up out of your chair and change the channel or, you know, 20 years ago, I should, that was more like 50 years ago. You know, (laughs) 30 years ago, you had to figure out where the clicker was, the remote was, you know, figure out where that was. And then, you know, press the button and change the channel. Now you you just take your finger. It's as quick as swiping. So more than ever, you got to make sure that in the first couple of seconds that you have something that is going to get their attention in a relevant way to the message you're trying to get across yeah and i mean it's easy it's easy just to you know in the first couple seconds to have a naked photo of something right yeah that that's easy that that's not going to serve the the um that's not going to serve the people who have a legitimate business and want to you know share something about it so it's got to be relevant to to your your business or service.
0: Yeah. And you said it's quite complex, these things. So, you know, like you'd have to tailor it to the person. And you mentioned something that you said you do called marketing therapy. So maybe the listener is interested in something like that. So if you could tell us a little bit more about marketing therapy, then, you know, Melissa could be like, oh, I need to contact John.
1: Right. So um, we were talking about trends earlier. And um, when I went on my own and split up with my business partner and was doing a lot of stuff on my own, wearing many hats, this was in the late nineties and what was, was going on while I was, you know, trying to do that was the, the internet continued to evolve. Right. And in the late nineties, uh, a major, uh, shift happened with high speed, right. Prior to that, it was pretty slow, but when high speed hit, and I think probably 98 suddenly video became a thing and, and over IP became a thing, right. And Skype became a thing. So, I was finding myself at various business and networking events being surrounded by other business owners and entrepreneurs who when they found out I was this big marketing guy uh, would just start picking my brain about what they should do about all this stuff that was coming down the road with the internet. And I just realized that as cool as it was and as much as these these new uh, internet um, things were happening that for a lot of business owners, it was overwhelming to them. They didn't really know how to deal with it all. So th- talking to these people saying half the time I felt more like a therapist than I did a, a marketing person, because, they, you know, you talk to any entrepreneur, they're so they're so wrapped up in their business, They they, you know, they eat, drink and sleep their business. And so it's very personal to them. And so I you know I could understand why they were freaking out and confused and and anxious about all this stuff but it made me realize that there might be an opportunity for me if I could figure out how to uh reevaluate my own business model which is what I was thinking at the time because it might have been cool to call myself an advertising guy in the 80s but not so much in the 90s and certainly in in the late 90s so I decided uh, if I could put up a online interface that would uh, enable me to uh, intrigue and connect with other business owners around the country and maybe even around the world that um, I knew a lot of stuff because I was paying attention to all this stuff. I knew a lot of stuff that could really be helpful for a lot of these business owners and, and entrepreneurs. So, that's when I created and branded myself as Follis Marketing Therapy. I you know the last thing I wanted to do was you know Fallas Consulting. That sounds pretty lame, right? Yeah. But because of the my the experience, the direct experience I had of talking to these guys and feeling like a ther- therapist, I thought um you know not not only was it a creative way to brand myself, but I, I there was a lot of truth to it because I like I said a lot of these people really needed someone that could listen to them and understand them um, as well as of course, give, give good marketing advice and and do creative work that a lot of them needed, whether it be uh, a, a new tagline, a new a branding thing, messaging um, uh, some content for their website, maybe a video. That's all creative work, which I was good at. So that began Follis Marketing Therapy in 2004, which um, I'm getting back into now. I'm kind of giving it a facelift, but uh, if people search Follis Marketing Therapy, they will find it. They just need to know how to spell Follis. <laughs> Otherwise, if they just put in Marketing Therapy, they're going to get a bunch of uh, links showing out how to market therapists.
0: Yeah. Well, the, the way you spell Follis is F-O-L-L-I-S. So fairly easy, yeah. nothing nothing too hard there. So Follis Marketing you, therapies is what you want to type go. in. Yeah.
1: Right. Well,
0: John, I have a question for you. And I I feel like our conversation has kind of gone through the motions of, of kind of the, the sadder parts of your career. But I want to ask you this because I'm sure there is something in your career that would, you know, kind of apply to this. But what is it about what you do that brings you the most joy?
1: Well, first of all, I don't mean to come off like, um, you know, my career was sad, (laughs) you know, like, like I said, I was great, very grateful. Uh, to have had gone through the partnership um that was a catalyst that enabled me to really have the success that I've had in this career and I'm certainly not alone in, in you know having a a, a a problematic partnership relationship uh so I I certainly don't mean to um come across as as that being sad it you know it was challenging for sure um uh so your question was what what gave me the most happiness yeah or joy what, what or... brings
0: you the most joy about what you do
1: oh I love first of all I, I love doing this because I love having conversations about uh, my experiences. Um, I've had a lot of interesting experiences during the the many years I've I've worked in the advertising business in New York uh, so I love sharing the stories um, and I love uh, helping people. Um, that's one of the reasons why I I love doing the marketing therapy work, because um, being an entrepreneur, as long as I've been one, which is now over 30 years, I think, um, I have a special um, fondness for working with other people who are trying to start a business. And uh, I've gone through a lot of it myself, and I know a lot of things that they don't know that they they, they need help with. So... I get a lot of satisfaction out of doing that and you know i've been on a lot of podcasts recently talking about it i only recently recently learned about this matchmaking service that allows people like you and i to connect and it's it's been so much fun talking to you and a couple of dozen other podcast hosts about some of the stuff we've talked about
0: where can the people find you online
1: well, as we said, uh, if they type in the words Follis Marketing Therapy, that will come up um, specifically for that. But I have so much content just under my own name. Uh, if they want to see some of the work that I've done or uh, started a, a company called Big Idea Video in 2013. So I probably have 600 videos uh, online, You know, mostly marketing oriented but I I love creating video content. Um, So Big Idea Video in YouTube would be another way they can check out some of the work that I've done.
0: Thank you for listening to People Explained. New episodes come out every Monday. We would appreciate it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts and shared this episode with a friend.